So, Father, this evening we thank you. We thank you for the joy of knowing you as our Father. We thank you for sending your Son, your only Son, to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for raising him on the third day. We thank you for sitting him at your right hand in glory. And so, Father, this day we say, hallowed be your name. We say, holy is your name. We say, righteous are you, Lord. We say, Lord, that the very foundation of your throne is righteousness and justice. Father, we join our voices with the angels in heaven, innumerable company of them. We join our voices with the saints triumphant. We join our voices with the 24 elders around your throne. We join our voices with the four creatures around your throne. We join our voices with every living thing alive today. To say, holy is your name. To say, holy are you God. Lord Jesus, our Redeemer. You are the one who was, you are the one who is, and you are the one that is to come. You are the faithful witness. You are the firstborn among the dead. You are the ruler of the kings of the earth. You are the king over all creation. We worship you this afternoon, Lord. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praises. As we celebrate your death on the cross of Calvary today, we thank you for the liberty and the freedom you've brought into our lives. We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. For your word says where the Spirit of the Lord God is, there is liberty. There is freedom. So Holy Spirit, we ask you that you come. Bring the presence of Jesus. Bring the glory of Jesus individually into our lives collectively to us as a house. Break out among us this afternoon. Take us to another level. We give you freedom to operate this afternoon. That the name of the risen, resurrected Savior may be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And the saints of God say, Amen. 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 Please be seated. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to say thank you to Pastor Colin for asking me to bring the Word of God. Uh, this afternoon, this uh, Good Friday, um, it's been a solemn assembly. Uh, it's been, for me, a journey uh, since Wednesday. Uh, it's been a journey since November last year when uh, that prophecy about what God wants to do uh, with us in this house and that match was struck on this platform. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. Uh, but there is a lot of um, understanding that's come through for me personally uh, since Wednesday. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult act to follow when you have your senior pastor preach the first message. Uh, what is, do you want to say? 
Um, it's, it's, but this afternoon, I pray that God would help us understand better uh, and take us to the next thing that he wants us to know. So if you've got your Bibles, please go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I want to start reading from verse 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1, and the Bible says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck that which was planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Here the writer of Ecclesiastes is reflecting about life. Uh, because life is measured by time. And he talks about here that... To everything that is a season. And within seasons of life, we have different times. And uh, Christian did mention yesterday uh, about Kronos and Kairos. Uh, years ago, when I was still working in, uh, before I, I went to Bible school and, and um, started working in full-time vocational ministry, I was working in a bank and I saw God teach me about times and seasons. There was a time uh, in my life that I felt the tug of the Holy Spirit in my heart to leave that walk and step into ministry. I've had a call of God pronounced over my life uh, by my grandfather when I was eight days old. I was thinking it was going to take another shape, like probably I'll still be there walking out, uh, attacking the giants of society and do itinerary ministry and whatever teaching. But there came a time that the Holy Spirit began, began to tug at my, at my spirit. And I resigned from that job and went to my pastor back home in Nigeria where I came from originally to tell him that I've resigned because I believed that it was time for me to step into ministry. And he listened to me and said to me, praise, yes, I know you've been talking about this call of God, it's obvious and all that, and, but I, I, I don't, there's nowhere to put you now in the ministry. 
You know, I don't have a space that I can plug you into. And I said to him, I said, oh, don't worry, sir. You know, uh, I know I'm not going to be hungry. I know I'm not going to be homeless. And I know I'm not going to be, you know, naked. That as long as those basic needs are met in my life, I'm ready to serve God. And he said, okay, uh, you go for now. Let me pray and I'll speak to you next week. And as I was about to come out of his office, uh, he said to me, praise, wait a minute. You did say you started a fellowship in the bank where you work. And I said, yes, I did. How is the fellowship doing? And I said, it's not doing all right. Um, sometimes I'm the only one there praying. Sometimes two people will come. Sometimes, you know, five people was up and down, up and down. And then he looked at me and said to me, I don't think it's time to leave. Because God is not going to give you a commission and then tell you to abandon it. Because God is not a God of abandoned project. Now, what he didn't know was that when I resigned, I had gone to, to meet my managing director because he wouldn't give me an exit interview, so I went and asked for one myself. And um, after I told the man that, no, no, I'm not staying, I'm going, I'm going to ministry, um, God has called me and all that, um, I'm resigning, and he said, well, he said to me, okay, if you change your mind, come and talk to me. And so as I was about to leave, my pastor's office in Nigeria then, he said to me, Praise, I don't think it's time for you to leave. I think you should go and talk to your managing director. He didn't say go and talk to your manager, go and talk to your head of department. He just said go and talk to your MD, go and talk to your managing director. And whatever he says, let me know. That particular point in time, I knew God was speaking. That wasn't time for me to leave that job. And I did, I praise God because within the one year that I had left in that place, the fellowship grew so massively that that was when people started calling me pastor, even before I went to Bible school. And so I learned a lesson. I learned that in our walk with God, there are seasons of life. Nature has planted seasons. God had planted seasons. We are supposed to be in spring season now, if not for the east from the beast, or the beast from the east. <laughs> so it's a season, and within that season, we have Kairos time, and we have Kronos time. And I did a study about Kronos uh, some years back, and I, I learned from reading that Kairos actually was, was, was like a, a myth in Greek. It, it, it's, it's, it's part of Greek mythology. Uh, there, was a, there was a statue in ancient Greece, Greece that was uh, dedicated to Kairos. And the thing about Kairos is that it's got two things that are very interesting. Kairos has got a lock of wood, uh, sorry, a lock of hair in front of his head. You know, don't look at Christian, he doesn't have any. <laughs> He's got this lock of hair in front of him. And then he's got wings on his feet. And the, the idea is that you have to grab opportunity because kairos means opportune time. The right time. The God time. You have, when that opportune time comes, you have to grab it with both hands because once kairos turns away from you, you cannot grab that hair anymore because its back is turned to you. And it's going to take off with wings and fly away. 
And so I think people came together and said, well, if that's the case, then we can say opportunity comes but once. And so as I've been reflecting since Wednesday about what we had from our senior minister and apostolic leader, from James chapter 4, challenging message, deep message. For me personally, multifaceted, addressing different issues in different people's lives, and especially in the life of this house. In the life of this house. In the life of this house. And as been reflecting on that, I'm asking God, what time are we in in Kensington Temple, London City Church? What is the opportunity that you are giving us again? What is that opportunity that we need to lay hold, that we need to grab now? And as I reflect on that message, God is saying, I believe there's something that is about to happen through us, but that must first happen in us. Something is going to happen through us, but the beginning of it must happen in us. Uh, it is not just about doing the right thing. It's about doing the thing right. There's a way you can do the right thing and not do it right. And so for me, personally, if I truly believe that this move of God is going to happen in me and through me, then... Hebrews chapter 2 comes into play. Probably from chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Then in chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews was concerned about the nature of nature. The nature of nature is to repeat itself. He was concerned about these Christians, these Jewish Christians who are, being, are almost going back to, being, to practicing Judaism after they've been liberated from the works of the law. 
And he was telling them again that the ministry of Jesus is more excellent from chapter 1 to chapter 12. Kept talking to them about the ministry of Jesus, uh, how Jesus was far better than the, than the priesthood of Aaron, by the, by, by, more than Moses, uh, uh, more excellent than the angels, and all that. And, uh, and then in chapter 11, he came and said, let, let me remind you, let me remind you that even the heroes of the Old Testament, they believed by faith. They believed by faith. And so for me, the Kairos time for us in this house is to pay attention to what God is saying. God is saying, listen, I'm about to do a new thing, like Marcelo was saying yesterday. I'm about to do a new thing. It is not coming as a big bang. It's not coming as an explosion. It is not coming with fireworks. It is not coming with the TV cameras. But you better pay attention to what I'm about to do. Because if you don't pay attention, it's not going to happen within you. And if it doesn't happen within you, I'm sorry to say, uh, it cannot happen through you. And there's a one thing also that we must understand, that what God wants to do is not about you. It's not about me. It's about him, his kingdom, and his purposes. Yeah. And so we are warned on Wednesday, get rid of those desires. Get rid of those desires. Sometimes we war with one another. Sometimes we war within ourselves. And so we go to God and we ask things that he's already given to us by the provision of the cross, but because we are so consumed with self, we ask wrongly. In this move of God, whatever you ask God, let it be for the purpose of his glory. Let it be for the sake of his kingdom. Otherwise, God will still do what he wants to do, just that he is going to pass you by. He may just pass you by. My prayer for you today, this Good Friday, is that God will not pass you by. Second thing I want to say is that this move of God will require unprecedented belief. Unprecedented belief. Almost crazy belief. <laughs> I watched from November, even till this Good Friday weekend, this meeting, everything has been solemn. Everything has been without hype. Everything has been God. Everybody who has come on this platform to minister, everybody has come with this subdued uh, approach to what God wants to do, whether deliberately or not. I don't know. You know, I think I'm, I'm about the only person 
who is shouting this Good Friday. I'm sure Pastor Colin will have shouted too, but God took his voice. <laughs> but then there's a reason. Because God is saying to us, it is not in the earthquake. It's not in the lightnings. It's going to be in the still, small voice of his spirit. One of our ladies, um, our sisters, Trudy, was giving her testimony. It was not Trudy alone. I also, since September, I've been, I've been having this tugging at my spirit. God saying, come closer, come closer, come closer. So I took a time out. I went to Hailey to pray. And God gave me a, a vision of myself that I didn't like. He, didn't give, he gave me a vision of, of, of what I didn't like. He, he, he gave me a vision that, that taught me that I, I had almost become like a Gentile. You know, he said, you know, these things the Gentiles run after. Sometimes we miss God because of the things that the Gentiles run, run after. As we talk about revival, the move of God, I went back to to Acts of the Apostles, and I got fascinated again by the story of, of Philip the Evangelist. He was a deacon in the Jerusalem church. And Jesus had told them, all of his disciples, that, well, the Holy Spirit is coming upon you now. I'm going to send him. When he comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses, witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to uttermost part of the world. But then organizational ability came in through Peter. Peter put up a crack organization together. So no, 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 no. We got to stay with the word of God and with prayer. You choose among yourselves seven men full of the Holy Spirit. And they had everything organized and everything was so organized and everything was rolling. Everybody was getting their food at the right time. Everybody was getting whatever they needed to get at the right time. And so, because everything was provided, they just sat down there in Jerusalem doing nothing. Reminds me of when I was in Bible school and I would teach I'll teach the, the, the second year students leadership. And I remember you know, walking into the classroom one day and telling them, you know, it's end of the month. And I'm so glad I'm not calling die. Because I don't have to think about paying salaries. I don't have to think about paying the mortgage. I don't have to think about this, about that. Until he sent me to Walthamstow. Then I knew <laughs> how to believe God to pay the lease for the hall. And then I knew how to go on my knees and believe God that people will come on Sunday. Then I learned how to believe that when they come on Sunday, they will give by faith. Then I learned to believe God that they will get their miracles. Then I learned to believe God that that marriage that's about to break up is not going to break up. Then I learned to believe and pray and exercise my faith that that child is not going to commit suicide. Sometimes... We need to take our eyes off the organization and focus again on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the, the, the glory, 
of you sitting down here today in Kenston Temple, the glory of me standing in front of you preaching the gospel again, despise the shame. So I reminded myself about Philip. And God said, okay, I told you Holy Spirit is coming. He's come now. You are sitting down here eating food at the right time, doing everything at the right time, doing everything at the right time. Now it's time for you to understand what I mean. You, you, don't, you don't understand the time that you're in. It's not the time to sit in Jerusalem. It is the time to go to Samaria, to Judea, to the uttermost part of the world. That's what I died for. That's what I rose for. And so he saw, he sent a man called Saul of Tarsus. And persecution came. And thank God for Philip. The Bible says he went to Samaria. Of course, we know what happened. Revival broke out. Unless we go out there. That's what this move of God has been saying since November. It is not going to be here. Right here in front of the platform. It is going to be out there. Oh, I need a better amen than that if you believe. Thank you very much. I was almost going to do a, a robust letter on you and say thank you for those two and a half amens. <laughs> and so Philip went to Samaria. And there was revival. There was revival in that city. The whole place was rejoicing. And then suddenly, in the midst of that revival, the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, uh, the city is all right now. You need to go to the desert. And that's when some of us back off, back up, you know, Lord. In fact, some of us will say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. <laughs> this is my revival. This is my revival. This is my time. I own this city now. But the Holy Spirit said, it's time to go to the desert. And didn't even tell him what he was going to do in the desert. Just said, go to the desert. And Philip obeyed, went to the desert. Second thing I want you to understand the first thing is you under, we understand the time that we are in. It's a time to pay attention to the words we're hearing. The second thing that is time to obey God. It is time to obey the commission of the Holy Spirit. It is time to go into the workplace. It is time to go into the city and be salt and light. It's time to go into the desert too. Because he went. I, I imagine in my spirit, uh, Philip just standing there saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what next? Did I really hear you? Because now I'm in the desert. And then suddenly a chariot comes, and the Holy Spirit says, go join yourself to the chariot. Philip didn't say, for what? What for? Tell me what I need to do. What, what, I mean, you know, what if there were no, he just went and joined himself to the chariot. And like Pastor Collins said, you will go to people and God will give you supernatural knowledge about what's going in in their lives. I'm trying to, this afternoon I'm trying to bring to you how this is going to start working. The end of it, I don't know. But I know it's glorious. Amen. I know the end will be glorious. But unless we step out, unless we, we, we say, okay God, I'm going to look like a, a fool for you. I'm going to look like a fool for you. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to pray for that person and I'm going to, uh, oh Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this person? And so Philip obeyed. The second thing for this move of God is obedience. Uncompromising obedience. Even if it's going to make you look like a fool. I would rather be a fool for Jesus <laughs> than be wise for myself. And so Philip joins in. 
And then here's the man reading from the book of Isaiah, reading about Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. The, the, the beating and said, and Philip said, do you understand what you are reading? And the man said, how can I understand? Unless somebody explains it to me. Is this, my, is this prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And the Bible says that from that scripture, Philip explained to him about Jesus. I don't know about you. I've been following everything happening on this platform since Wednesday. He wants to do something in us and through us that will require that we pay attention and that will require that we obey. That we obey. And this obedience, the third thing I want to say is the obedience of faith. It is the obedience of faith. Isaiah says in 51, Isaiah 51 verse 1 to 2, he says, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Look to. Isaiah was crying out for these people. Learn something from Abraham. Learn something from, from, from Sarah. And it's the learning of faith. Now, in the New Testament, we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because the church belongs to him. And he has a right to do with his church what he wants to do. And he says, Kensington Temple, London City Church. I've chosen you for this opportunity. <laughs> I've given you an opportunity. But you're going to have to understand the time and the season that you're in. It is not a season and a time for the flesh. It's a time and a season to hold on to the yearnings of the Holy Spirit. The jealous yearning of what, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Not about me. What you have for me. Don't worry. What he has for you will come to pass. Amen. As long as you don't reject it. It will come to pass. But it is the time to say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And like Paul, Saul of Tarsus, when he came into that encounter with Jesus, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, what will you have me do, Lord? What will you have me do? So is it, is it, is it strange then for us to learn when he said, when he said, I labor more than any other, any other, any other. But it's not me also, it's the grace of God. It's that grace, that grace, that grace that we saw in, 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 in James chapter 4. The grace that comes when we submit to God, to his will and to his ways. Not just by mouth, but from the deepest recesses of our innermost being. And I believe we started on Wednesday. I believe there was a cleansing. For the Bible says that who will ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? It's only those people with clean hands and a pure hand. Those are the people that can stand. And I believe personally, I don't know about you, I believe personally we got there on Wednesday. 
We got there on Wednesday. And then yesterday, we, we learned that we must now be wrapped up with Jesus. Just get caught up with Jesus. And then the question is when he's cleansed you. When you focus on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus, you are wrapped up with him. What do you do? You go. We go. We go anywhere, wherever he sends us. We go. We don't wait for persecution. We don't wait for a soul of Tarsus. We don't. We go. We just go in obedience like Philip. We just go. We go. We go for the revival. We go for the one. As we, go, as we bring revival to cities, we go for the Ethiopian Enoch. We go wherever he wants us to go. We go. We just go. After all, that's what he said. Go into all the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. This revival, this prophetic declaration that's come. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, the presence of the angel of the Lord. Those angelic beings that our pastor said are here. The Holy Spirit just reminded me that the angel of the Lord is here. I had, he told me. No, I don't mean the Holy Spirit. I mean, our leader told me. The Holy Spirit just reminded me. That angel of the Lord, who, his presence. Not just the, not the angel with Moses. We're not talking about the angel God gave to Moses. That was the, that's the angel that is given to people who are disobedient. So that when they make a mistake, he slaps them. <laughs> no, no, the angel of the Lord is the one that brings the presence of God. And that presence... You will notice as you take every step of faith, every little step of faith, you will notice that the presence is there. I'm done preaching, so I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask everybody, please let's stand. Everybody. You want to be part you want to be part of this move of God. From Wednesday, we've cleansed. we're cleansed. We were renewed. We learned some things about ourselves. Though challenging, done pastorally. Brought pastorally. But I don't know about you, I had a lot to think about on the train back home. Yesterday, I had a lot to think about. Took me three hours to get home yesterday on the train. But it was a blessing because I had a lot of time to think. God has a purpose for what he wants to do in us and through us. You will have to make up your mind that you want to be part of that. You have to make up your mind that you want to be part of that. You, you, you have asked God on Wednesday to cleanse you, to walk in you, to walk in you. You, you. you want Jesus. You just want more of Jesus. Now that we have more of Jesus, what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to sit down 
and just hear about the stabbing, 16 this year so far, 16. The government has no solution, not to the refugee crisis. It's all politics, it's a game to them. But for us, it's not a game, it's about souls. It's about souls, about the souls of people that are likely to go to hell. For us, it's, it's serious business. For them, it's a game. It's about name calling. It's about who can shout the loudest at the dispatch box. But for us, it's not a game. For us, it is real. The ultimate reality of who we are as Christians and what we are supposed to bring for the glory of God. And he says, Kensington Temple, London City Church, I chose you for such a time as this. Amen. Maybe a lot of us will believe it if we had the cameras, uh, uh, God channel, uh, uh, if, we have, if we have all the rasmatas, if we are on all the radios and saying, God is moving in Kensington Temple, but that's not what this revival is about. We've got to understand that so that we don't miss out. This is a revival that will start in you. With the Holy Spirit drawing you close and closer to himself and talking at you. And then when you refuse to respond, he goes on. He moves on. It's about getting deeper with God. That's what we've been hearing since last year. Getting deeper, deeper, putting our roots down, going deeper, going deeper. And you cannot go deeper if self is on the throne. I want us to pray. I'm going to ask you to please start pray, praying. We're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to take us to another level because it, it is, yes, this, this evening, this time is rounding up this Easter weekend conference, if, if I may call it that. It's not even a conference. It's, it's a time with God. But it's not ended. This is the beginning. Just because this meeting closes does not mean it's, it's, it's you know, there's Resurrection Sunday coming. Hallelujah. But I want us to pray. And this is a prayer you're going to pray for yourself. And the prayer is, God, I'm, I'm available. I'm available. Like Philip, I'm available. I'm available for anything that you want for me. I'm available. I, I want to take off my eyes from man, from flesh. I want to fix my eyes on you. I want my eyes to be on you. Woe unto him who leans on the arms of flesh, the Bible says. No, this is the time to talk to the Lord now and say to him, I'm available. This is the time to say to Jesus, like Saul of Tarsus said, what would you have me do? Where do you want to send me? Where do you want to take me? How do I bring glory to your name? Let it not just be what we sing about alone. Let it be what we act upon in obedience. Let's take our eyes off the organization. Let's take our eyes off those things that will not last. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Because for everything under the sun, that's a time and that's a season. We've come to a time, a Kairos time, that God says, Kensington Temple, London City Church, I've heard you. 
We've been in the place of preparation. Now it's time. We understand it now, Lord. We understand it now, Lord, that it's not the rasmatas that you want. It's a deep walk on the inside of us. It's the deep cleansing on the inside of us that you want. It's not the glory of how many we are because we know that it's coming because it's a vision of multitude that we have. But it's how we handle the multitude that comes. How we get them to know Jesus like we do. That's where we are. So I want you to close your eyes and I just want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God in us that God himself is yearning jealously over. Wanting him to produce, wanting the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in our lives and through our lives. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Tell him you are ready. Tell him you are ready. Tell him whether it's in the city or in the desert you are ready. Tell him you take your eyes off man. You take your eyes off the flesh. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he's got you in his hands.